Hey guys, in this episode, I speak to Jasmine a little bit about chocolate, about Africa, and a little bit about her company, Recommend. Enjoy. Welcome to Tech This Way. So the good news is it's uh yeah it's recorded right okay so I can but I do like to add everything in so even this part will probably go in so hi thank you very much for joining <laughs> me <laughs> yes, hi me. hi Imran nice to see so, you so yes it's it's been a while since yes. we, since we last met and our paths have crossed um, several times yes. in our previous lives at Accenture and then you abandoned us <laughs> um, and then to start off with. Uh, what was it? Was it why after? No, Bain? No, I went to uh, Bain. You went to Bain? Yes. Right? And, and then... And then MBA and then back to Bain. Uh, and then to start off, uh, Recommend Group. Okay. Yep. So start a little bit, I guess, from... So what did you do in Accenture and then after that? Oh, you really want to Let's know? Let's go all the way back <laughs> okay, a little bit. Like, okay. At least let, okay. let, let people understand your, your, your background a little bit. Okay, great. So uh, I joined Accenture way back in 2004, uh, just out of school not really knowing what Accenture was about, like most people. Um, so they thought, you know, they took a look at me and said, hey, this girl looks like she can manage server. Uh. So they put me in a global technology consulting. Yeah, right? the best group in Accenture. Yeah, obviously. Um, so I went in there and then uh, the, the truth is that I really didn't know anything about servers. Lah, but uh, they were nice to me. They, uh, you know, put me on the less techy projects. So I did um, a, lot of, a lot of the architecture type work, the technology strategy type of things. And uh, I think after breaking a few servers, um, they finally decided, okay, you know, this one, this one is a very scary, <laughs> scary person to have in this. So what um, was your degree? That must have been the reason why. Uh, mechanical engineering. So they thought, you know, she can count, she can deal with engines. Same thing, lah, right? Oh, server. Yes. Server, right? So they put me in a server room lah, and I have uh, some stories of breaking servers. Okay. Yes. Um, so after that, uh, after uh, I think about two years, um, I, I've always actually wanted to do strategy consulting. Mm. But Accenture didn't really, it couldn't make up its mind lah, on whether it wanted to do strategy or not. Um, so I've, you know, always want, I was always very interested in it. So along the way, you know, I picked up some skills on the side, um, you know, did Excel modeling on the weekends, you know, volunteered to work for free for some of the managers there so that I could gain some skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the practice really came back again for the nth time, I think in 2006 or 2007, um, I decided to move over lah, to strategy consulting. The real con- strategy consulting. The real strategy consulting. Yeah. <laughs> At the risk of insulting our former friends, <laughs> I know Accenture does strategy too, but yes, you know. yes, yes. Oh, no, no. So 2006 was real, like within Accenture. Ah, yeah. So strategy consulting. Oh, I see. <laughs> so strategy consulting within Accenture. So okay. you know, we did pretty interesting work. Um, I think we worked for people like even the central bank. Mm. You know, some of the biggest um. Um, uh, uh, banks out there, including this one in which we are, you know, the building that we are sitting in. Huh. Um, Maybach. yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, we all, we also did some work in Thailand, Indonesia. You know, some of the biggest uh, petrochemical, mm. um, you know, uh, oil and gas companies, right? So we did quite interesting work. So you know, I worked in Indonesia, I worked in Thailand, um, Singapore as well. I uh, did a stint in Hong Kong. You know, some of the largest merger integrations out there. You know, uh, strategy pieces. So that was very exciting, lah. Yeah. Um. And then in 2008, I think, 2008, 2009, um, we did the Syme Derby 
um, merger. Okay. Yeah, which has uh, you know recently been reversed, but you know it was good times at the time. Um, so we did the sign. But you were like honing your skills in strategy, like you like, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Along the way, like, I always knew that that was the path that I wanted to move in. Okay. Yeah. So we we did that. It was really exciting. Uh, and during that time, I think we had some colleagues in the same project. So it was um, I think the project team was like. Uh, maybe 200 300 people mm. uh, at peak so oh, there were big. consultants like us there was people there were people like uh, AT Carney uh, Bain and Company then you know all the audit firms were there all the legal firms were there basically it was like a, a suit party uh. Yeah. <laughs> all of us are there, yeah. So during that time, uh, I got to know some members of the, the Bain team. Mm. Uh, and I realized that some of the work they did uh, was quite interesting as well. Uh, probably more in line of, you know, to what I wanted to do. Mm. So I think um made friends with them and, you know, they gave me an offer. So I moved over lah, in 2010. Okay. Yes. Was Accenture um, pissed off? No, not at all, actually. Not I friendly. think, um, I think you know... You were we, screwing up the servers, right? So after <laughs> that, he's like, how do we get rid of no, this girl? No, I <laughs> think after the first two years, they they, they locked the server rooms. They're like, okay. oh, this girl, let me take back my pass. Ah. Yeah. No more. Okay, so how was yep. Bain? Bain was uh, very different from Accenture. Hmm. Um, I mean, there are some things about Bain that were similar, like, you know, consulting, consulting. Lah. So very much methodology-driven, you know... Um, a very much logic. There's a, always, you know, uh, financial implications. All these things you uh, was the same across the board. But I think um, Bain was a little bit more um, numbers driven. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, they are a lot more numbers driven, uh, a lot more top down. So I got to work on some of the um, again biggest mergers and biggest uh, strategy projects around. Uh. Yeah. This time we were helping companies like um, Mondelez, you know, the the chocolate. Uh, company that mm. recently like merged the Cadbury Craft merger. Okay. So we actually, you know, took the the combined brand and tried to figure out how to grow it across mm. uh, Southeast Asia. So we tried to sell, you know, chocolates in Indonesia. Tried to figure out how to um, extend the the cold chain uh, supply chain across, you know, even the smallest uh, islands in Indonesia. Right. That sort of thing. Uh, that was, I think, one of my more memorable ones. Okay. Uh, we also worked on. Why the was that? Was it because of its chocolate or? Oh, because. You know, when you deal with supply chain and retail chain, there's it, so many um, unexpected things, right? So, yeah. you know, some people ask me today, why why does the chocolate in Indonesia taste very different? Um, and it is different because it's a different chocolate. It's actually formulated differently um, mm. to reflect the fact that, you know, a lot of the chocolate is um, sold at all the warung and all the places where there is actually no refrigeration. Ah, okay. So they needed the chocolate to be able to tahan. Yeah, that doesn't right. not melt, right? Yeah, it doesn't melt, right? So, so is so is the is it is it really the kelapa sawit, the palm oil? That oh, that one that? I'm not sure, but huh. for sure the formulation is completely different, right? As in less cocoa, um, less cocoa and other filler stuff, lah. Dun yeah. dun dun. Okay. And it, you know, also to reflect income level. So That's you know, enough. if you look at the developed nation and you taste the chocolate there, it's very padat, right? In mm. terms of the meal, in terms of like the cocoa content and all yeah. that. Um, but you taste the ones in developing nations or um, uh, nations where the income level is not so high. Even Malaysia. Uh, even Malaysia. Um, yeah. you, you have a lot more wafer. Mm. You have a lot more air, for example. Yeah. And this is meant to reduce the average cost so that the average person can afford chocolate. Yeah. Right. So you know, yeah, things things like that, lah. Mm. We learned. But yeah, yeah, you learned, yeah. So yeah. quite quite some the nitty gritty stuff on that industry, right? Yes, it's quite interesting actually. Yeah. So then, where what happened after? after then, then after that, then some of the other things I did um helped uh, AIA and ING merge. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was another interesting one. It's one of the probably the largest insurance mergers around. Right? And I think that's mm. one of the beauty of working for consultancies, right? That yes. you get to 
move around in different industries, yes. right? Different teams, obviously, different yes, people. Yes, absolutely. And you, yeah. you get to pick up all kinds of stuff, right? That yes, that I, I, yeah, I'm very, I'm so grateful for the time in consulting. Uh. It's mm. given a very good framework of how to think, mm. how to make decisions, and you know, definitely given me the opportunity to meet interesting people mm. like yourselves. So then, what happened yeah. after that and towards the end of Bain? Then, um, actually, in the middle of Bain, I actually um left to do an MBA for a year. Okay. Uh, in oh, INSEAD. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I left for a year to do an uh, MBA in INSEAD. Mm. So that was um, part of the time in... in Singapore in, or in, in France? Uh, Fontainebleau in France. Ooh. Yeah, most of the time there and then um, the rest of the time in Singapore. Okay. Yep. How was that experience? Oh, that was probably one of the best years of my life. Yeah. yeah. Truly, truly amazing, yeah. For the pastries or the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pastries. But being in Paris, right? That must have been quite an quite an exciting life. Yes. Right? So that uh, Fontainebleau is about one and a half hours out of Paris, mm. and it's this really small kampung place where uh. literally at night, right? There's 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 no lights, so you could be driving, you know, along the roads and stuff, and then there, there could be a was it a moose or something, you know, something with the horns one lah. I can't remember <laughs> what. Yeah, we just okay. jump in front of your car and. So without INSEAD, that place would have been nothing yeah, la. like literally kampung lah. Right. And we, even with INSEAD, it was a kampung, right? Okay. Yeah. So you know the experience was great. Bunch of this, uh, uh, management consultant. Okay, no lah. People doing the MBAs. So yeah, there was yeah. Like all sorts, and I think that was probably the first time I saw a really diverse group of people. So mm. there was like there were like boring consultants and investment bankers, right? Um, mm. like us, and then there were people who just you know started off their company sixteen years ago and trying to figure out how to get it to the next level. Mm. Um, people who spend their whole life working in social impact and you know, uh, you know, basically you know working in some of the most difficult. Uh, places in the world so that was really eye-opening mm. um, and I think it was probably during that time when I got a good sense like you know or, or I felt like hey you know I've gotten all these skills you know in consulting all this network and all that right um, but always something felt missing and I think it was because I was not using the skills that I had to benefit people that really 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 needed it mm. so it was during that time when I questioned like hey you know what what kind of impact do I want to have uh in my life, right. uh, on yeah. on this world, on right? People, um, right? Yeah. Yes, on people. So it was during a time, and I I got a sense that I wanted to um, spend a little bit more time looking at things like social impact and uh, impact consulting. Okay. So after my MBA, uh, Bain was really kind to allow me um, another three months, three four months off. Um, I went to intern with Acumen Fund in uh, East Africa. So that was based in Nairobi. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um. So that was I, I was very lucky as well. They were looking for someone with uh, plantations. Uh, okay. Expertise. I have to admit I don't yes. know Nairobi very well, right? So in terms of development, how is that compared to Ipoh? Say Ipoh. Um. It's probably Ipoh or it's probably KL. Maybe 10, 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. A fairly safe, uh? Is it Nairobi? Oh safe? no, it's oh. not. Well, it's safe compared to uh, the other war-torn uh, countries, okay. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's uh, not safe compared to say KL. Right. Or even Jakarta, actually. Right, right. Yeah. So, so what was, were you doing over there? So I was uh, interning for Acumen Fund. So mm. Acumen Fund is actually a non-profit investment company based out of New York. And mm. it's, um, uh, it's quite well-funded, I think. Uh, but what their thesis was that if you could channel investments into uh, companies or profit-generating companies with a lot of social impact, mm. um, it will bring uh, you know, uh, social improvement into the villages and all that and mm. increase the income level. Uh, thus moving people out of the poverty mm. uh, levels. So 
some of the companies I was looking at in, involved like um, cocoa uh, roasting companies. Mm. So I, I was working with a coffee roaster for the longest time. Um, and then uh, things like um, uh, chicken farming. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, so cotton cotton mm. growing. So, so these, these are, are companies things, yeah. that has a social impact standpoint, but profitable, right? So, this yes. is not so actually these are businesses, but mm. the nature of their businesses involve um, hiring lots and lots of workers. Mm. And because of that, you know, it brings income to the right. lowest. Yeah, right. lowest. So, like, for example, a, a cotton company would have, you know, tons and tons of pickers, for example. Um, and then I was working for a coffee roaster. So, that involved actually buying from all mm. the small-scale farmers so what uh, were all you around the area. doing personally with, with these companies? With the area. So, yeah. literally, I, I went in there and my role was to help them decide whether they should inv- uh, invest in this uh, coffee roasting outfit. Huh. And then later on, I also did chicken farming and stuff like okay. that. So, you know, so I it is the strategic advice? La, yes. So for, for, y- these, for these businesses? Yes. So basically, I needed to tell my company whether or not we should put money into this company, mm. um, how much it is likely to return over a few years, you know, if it exits. But most importantly, how much $1 of funding could bring to the ah, people, okay, to the communities okay. around there. But did you actually go in... Uh, so did you go in just to assess and audit, if you like, these companies? Or do you actually provide some advice to them to say hey you know what if you do this with the coffee machines that you have then you can get better yield and stuff like that it was not so much of the advice but we needed to do the typical investment due diligence going Mm -hmm. to speak to all their customers to find out that you know what their strengths and weaknesses are um, you know talking to the operations guy on the ground and even tasting coffee um, Mm. to see whether they truly had uh, a differentiation whether the team really understood uh, you know the the economics of that, yeah. right? Um, Are you a coffee drinker? No, actually, I'm <laughs> allergic to coffee. So, oh man! Yeah, so it was a very it was a very difficult three months, la, And I'll explain why a little bit later, right? Um, so yeah, basically talking to the coffee tasters and understanding that you know there are many tastes mm. in coffee, just mm. like wine, right? Yeah. Um, and trying to understand whether or not it's truly differentiated from other companies around there. Yeah. Yep. So what was the challenge with the coffee? I think. Or was it Nairobi? Not just. I think. Um, you know. I, I went there with the with the with the desire or the ambition to want to really bring impact on the community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I underestimated how tough the life would be and how um, for you or for them? For me, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, right. their their life was very very tough. I mean, mm. some of these farmers, you know, they they walk for maybe five kilometers to ten kilometers a day. This is the National Geography type stuff, la, that you see. Right? Pretty much, lah, mm. like on a high level, uh, but. You know, they, to earn $10 a day, to mm. $10, they will walk 5 to 10 kilometers. Mm. And that $10 made all the difference in terms of sending their children to school, in terms of, you know, having food to put on the table, right? Mm. So I could really see how um, a dollar of funding really impacted a whole mm. bunch of people. And that was, I think that was life-changing in a way, right? So I, I was very sure that I wanted mm. to work um, in an industry that had similar impact at similar scale. Mm. Um, but what I underestimated was like, I was quite lumbap, la, you know? Because Nairobi is also about, I think a thousand, if I'm not wrong, about uh, 1,000 meters above ground. So the air was slightly thinner. And oh, it's not okay. like Kota Kinabalu, no, sorry, not Kita, Kota Kinabalu, um, Mount Kina, Kinabalu, Kinabalu kind of level air thin, you know. It's just a thousand, right? But I I felt that, you know, I had um, a bit of um, uh, altitude sickness. Huh. Very, very minor. Okay. So every day I, I guess I, it's because it's prolonged staying there, be. right? If you visit, I don't know, you go to Cameron Highlands for a weekend, I think that's Me. okay. <laughs> <laughs> How long? So, what was the period when you were in, in East Africa? Uh, about three three to four months. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. pretty long. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was quite lumbab lah. I had a headache every day, constantly right. for no reason. Uh. Um, I was like, you know, throwing up. I had a sugar craving. So I ate, <laughs> I ate mangoes, you know, every day for lunch, like two or three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with the skin. Right. Because that's how it's done there. Right. Well, yeah, um, I guess you localize. <laughs> but you just didn't climatize, eh? To, no, to, to it's just, that. yeah, I was just so uncomfortable. And mm. you can't go out at night alone because yeah. it's still quite dangerous. Right, right. Yeah, you can't take pictures with your phone out of the car window because yeah. it'll get snatched. And I guess, I don't know, you yeah. know, are there many... Chinese girls out there in Nairobi and um, when you walk the streets do not, you get well you don't walk the streets at night that's ah, for sure okay. yeah, so yeah, you yeah. either cab it or you have friends or you run la, which I did a lot <laughs> yeah you just run you know uh, it was so <laughs> okay. uncomfortable yeah. okay well that's that's, that's enriching at, yeah at the very least, right? so you always yeah. felt like um, huh. yeah and and I think back then also there was a, a little bit of a natural maybe distrust for Chinese looking people um, okay. I think you probably need to cut this out later, but I think the Chinese government was, um, you know, having many projects over there and I think ah, the okay. locals kind of felt like, why are these people kind mm, of like, like flooding our country and taking up all the jobs and yeah, all that. So Giving us the cheap money and, you know, what's the ulterior la. motive, right? Correct. And why why are they taking the jobs and not giving it to us? Yeah, yeah. So I think there was a bit of distrust for mm. foreigners and, you know, Chinese looking people. Chinese specifically, people. La, yeah. so <laughs> In general. you got lumped in that. La, yeah, possibly. La, yeah. Okay. So, so then what happened? Three months, four months down the road? Three, four months, you know, uh, you know uh, tail, beneath, what, uh, tail between my legs or something. I had to Call back come New back. Call hey. <laughs> I said, oh, please. But <laughs> where were you back. based? Um, Nairobi. Oh, in Nairobi. Yeah, and I but, spent some time yeah. in Rwanda as well. Okay. Yeah, Kigali in Rwanda. Why? And how was that? Oh, that is actually like Singapore. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. So after, you know, um, Kigali... The only had thing some... I've heard about Rwanda was the genocide, right? Yeah, so after the genocide, the new government really did try to make, you know, uh, a, a huge cultural change to the whole place. Um, and if you go there, it's a small country, um, spotlessly clean. They're Sorry, really, what year really was this? This was 2000 and... Um, 2012. 2012. Yeah, 2012. Okay, okay. Yeah. fairly recent. Yes, yeah. it's uh, spotless. The streets are wide, you know, um, super clean. People are really nice. Ah. Yeah. So very what's different from their, what's their industry? Um, I think plantation. Okay. You know, I can't really remember. I think plantation and some agricultural stuff, lah. Maybe farming, that mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I was there to look at um, yeah, the coffee, the coffee company. Mm. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Then yes. you know, okay, enough of the African countries. Yeah. So, so then came back, you know, um, and mm. uh, rejoined Bain again. Uh, okay. you know, did some interesting projects, but at the time, I think I I was already looking out for mm. um. I guess now that you like had your epiphany, right? Yes. Yeah. Then, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I want to do something a little bit more impactful and more direct. I yes, guess, right? more yeah. direct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I I was looking out for ideas. You know, I was every day I was telling my friends, hey, imagine if we had this, and imagine if we had that, and then and then one day somebody just said, hey, why don't you you know really take a step of faith and and do it? Mm. So then okay lah, you know um sort of like. Beginning 2014, right. um, decided to take a venture out. And um, at the beginning, you know, I had no idea at all. You know, was, you know, brainstorming a few things and all that. Um, and then I got to know that Alex, uh, my co-founder, was also looking for ideas. Okay. So one day we just, you know, so sat where was, down. So where was he? He was in Singapore. Okay. He's, yeah, he still is. He's a, yeah, a Malaysian but living in Singapore. Okay. So, you know, one day we just sat down literally on my kitchen table, mm. like the cliche, right. and uh, brainstormed all the different ideas and landed with this one. Okay. Yep. 
So then there was recommend version one. Yes, it was literally um, recommend version one. So our mission, even from that day in the in the kitchen, right, is to bring transparency and trust um, to the home services industry. Mm. So I had just finished um, helping my parents do renovations mm. uh, for uh, you know the family home. So I you know realized how unstructured, how stressful, how terrible the and that that process could be. I think it took one and a half mm. years of getting contractors. Uh, yes. Terrible contractors upon contractors, yeah. yeah. Um, reworks, you know, budget overruns. So it was just terrible the entire process. Um, Alex had the same challenges as well because mm. um, he was trying to do some, um, you know, upgrades to his home, and I think it was a water installation, water heater guy, mm. basically came to the house, you know, dismantled the thing, told him, oh, you know, it'll take um, X amount to fix it back, and that amount actually was more than what it would take to buy a new water heater. Right. So then he said, no, thank you. And the guy just left without, you know, putting it back together again. Sweet. So he, you know, he had some pain as well. Okay. So we came up with version one. It was very much a Yelp for um, mm. service uh, contractors. Um, and then we realized that it was, you know, not going to fly so mm. easily. Um, so how did that work? So it was the two of you decided, here's the yep. idea, right? Yep. Then what next? Did you get some developers? You, so yeah. how was that? So literally, you know, we decided that w- that was going to be the idea. Mm. Obviously, I created a deck. We mm. always have a deck, right? Of course. So there was a deck and then, you know, Alex started the PowerPoint to skills that you picked up in Accenture. Right. right? That's the first thing you do, right? Um, yeah. So you create a deck of materials, you know, convince yourself that uh, it was doable. Then, um, you know, drew up some screens mm-hmm. and then started the market validation. Okay. So we, you know, approach customers, talk to them and say, you know, what your pain points are, what would you love to see? Then we talk to contractors, plumbers, you know, mm. uh, and to say, you know, what your problems are or what are your problems. Uh, and then we try to create a platform that solves both sides. So at that point, the focus of the services is still on um, renovations and, and construction. It was, I mean, small time. we were always um, having both home maintenance type type things mm. like um, uh, aircon uh, service repairman, okay. plumber, uh, electrician. Um, and also home improvement, mm. which is things like renovation contractors, interior designers, and all of that. Mm. Yeah, so we always had um, those two parts of our business. Okay. Uh, and over the years, depending on how the market moved, uh, we shifted our focus for, from one to the other. Okay. Uh, but it was always a balance of these two things. Mm. So yeah. it started off in Malaysia? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we started off in Malaysia in 2014. Mm. Um, and then in 2015, uh, we met uh, this guy called Anthony. Mm. Um, and he was also having sort of like similar ambitions in Indonesia. Mm. And at that point, it was um, very exciting or the, the thing, right, to actually move out of your country borders. And we knew that if we were, you know, really aiming to be a, a huge, huge company and have an impact across thousands and thousands of service providers, uh, we w- will need to make sure that the model that we have could scale across Southeast Asia at mm. least, right? Mm. And Indonesia being the country with the largest population and also um, the largest sort of middle class, we knew that we had to make sure that our model worked there. Mm. So Anthony joined us. Uh, we were very, um, you know, So who was us him. at that point? Alex and myself. Still just the two of you? Actually, by the time mm. Anthony joined, I think it was still pretty much like, I don't know, one, on one hand, five mm. people, something okay. like that. It's probably Alex, myself and three interns, you know. Right. And yeah. the business itself, how was it at that point? The business itself, I think I we mean, had... number of uh, service providers and um, number of customers. You know, I don't really remember exact numbers. Um, I don't think we even had a paying customer yet. Mm. 
but we had many people who were already, I mean, there was liquidity, right? Mm. People were making requests, service providers were quoting. So, so we, let's take a step back a little bit and yes. talk about the business model or how does the recommend platform itself work? Work, okay. Yeah, for in customers those days or now? In those days. Okay. Because then we can see how did it evolve, right? Evolve, uh, right? So those days? Okay, so we started off with a very Yelp model. Mm. So you go there and then, um, you know, the system will actually prioritize for you what are the most highest rating, suitable uh, mm. companies in, in that area. Um, and we quickly realized that, firstly, it would take too much um, traffic uh, and money to mm. make that model work mm. because the, the network effects are too strong. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in, in, in those days, I think we also participated in Magic's um, E at Stanford program. Okay. Yeah, which brought us to the Valley. And so we mm. spoke to the people there and they say, you know, girl, um, you know, reconsider your model. So, um, and then we also learned about companies like Thumbtack and Home Advisor mm. um, that very much, you know, bigger, much bigger companies in, in the Valley and that started um, many years ago, mm. right? So we took some elements of that model uh, and brought it back to Southeast Asia. Um, and during that time, we also realized that um, finding a service provider, especially when it comes to bigger projects like um, renovations and interior designer, is less um, one way and it is actually more like dating. So, for example, if you're looking for a restaurant, it's about one customer looking for one restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. The restaurant doesn't choose its customers. That's right. Yes. But for renovation contractors, they do. So, when a customer is looking for, say, a renovation contractor, he's looking for someone who is able to um, understand him, to translate his vision, whatever there is in his head, um, into uh, a real product within the timelines, within the budgets that he's comfortable cheap. with. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. La. Yes. Generally... Yes. Cheapest, cheapest, yeah. Right. Um, the renovation and supposed to, yes, and then the yeah. contractors will then. You know, They're also choosing yeah. the customers because, mm. um, depending on their size, depending on whether or not they have their own staff, whether mm. or not they have their factories, they prefer to deal with customers of a certain budget. Yeah. So, for example, uh, we have renovation contractors that prefer to do work only above a hundred thousand. Mm. We have some that are okay between fifty and a hundred, and. Um, we have a f we have some between twenty and fifty, mm. right? They are all different setups and different mm. kind of maturity, right? So in a way, it's more like a matching a uh, a uh, matchmaking platform like Tinder, yeah. More than it is like Yelp, mm. uh, which so is more like just you know advertising space, yes, right? Yeah, and then it's not like one way; it's actually mm. two ways, mm. right? So we changed our model to be um, customer tells us what they need, um, and then the service providers would then uh, pay to quote back mm. to the customers. Okay, right. So they actually pay. To quote. Yes, they right. actually pay to quote, yeah. Mm. In those days, lah. Okay. Yeah. And um so we ran a pay to quote model for the longest time. Mm. Um and then we realized that perhaps it wasn't so fair to charge service providers just to quote. Because mm. sometimes customers don't even look at the quotes. Right. So there are customers who are maybe um you know not so high intent. Mm. They actually come in, they make requests, and then um the service providers quote, they look at it, but they don't even interact with it. Mm. So we felt um, maybe we want to uh, align the incentives a little yeah. bit and say that we will only charge if the customer then um, says I'm interested in this quote. Ah, okay. Right? So I but think yeah. what was the what was the pricing like for for charging to quote before? Oh, um, not much. It's like uh, only a fraction of what the project would be. Okay, so, so it's a percentage it, of the project. It's very small. It's something okay. like like five, ten, twenty ringgit, depending okay, on the okay. price. Yeah. Yeah. But still, so, you know, if a contractor wants to bid for ten, yes. twenty different jobs, right? Yes, so it could cost them quite a yeah, lot. Yeah. And so one of the differentiation that we have even today, uh, and none of our competitors have this, is that we only charge a lead fee when the customer states that they're interested. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, not just upon quoting. 
Right. So that's one thing. Um, and then around 2000, and so that, that went well, right? Around mm. 2016 or 2000, maybe 2017, we implemented um, uh, a model for home maintenance that was at that time again superior to other um, models in the market. Mm. So we realized that, you know, if you're looking for, say, an aircon serviceman or a plumber or electrician, um, you, will f- you will find it very difficult to understand the quotes coming back. So, for example, mm. if they say, okay, I want to service this thing or I want to um, uh, fix something and this is what's wrong with it, then various different people will have to give you a quote. And if they have not seen the, the site, it's actually the quotes are actually not very accurate. Mm. So, you will find that, you know, four people visit your homes and then after that, they quote you four different things and it was very difficult to mm. understand. So, we took uh, a look at all our home maintenance categories and looking at the data, decided to standardize the prices across uh, as much as we can. Mm. So today, if you go to our site and say, I would like to um, s- service an aircon, 1.5 horsepower, you know, um, uh, R22 gas or whatever mm. it is, we have standard pricing for you. Right. And all our service providers follow our pricing. Okay. Yes. So how was that? If we go back a little bit in mm. terms of, right, it was just you and your initial partner and suddenly you need to go start talking to all these different contractors and service providers, right? How was that How was that journey? Oh, that was really... It was a difficult time. I think the first two years was really difficult. Mm. Um, so uh, we split the roles between us. So Alex will take care of marketing and product. Mm. Um, so he was in charge of all the Google uh, ads and the Facebook ads and everything. And mm. um, we did product together, but it was mostly Alex because mm. he's got a technical background. He you know, drew the screens, validated the screens, coordinated with all the developers. Okay. Um, back then, we had like front-end guy, back-end guy, you know, but mm. they were all freelancers. So yeah. it was not easy to manage their time. Mm. And then I would do the selling. Lah. I mm. would talk to uh, service providers, you know. I still have a picture of the first check that we got and, uh, you know, it was a crazy moment. Lah. I'm sure. Yes. So it's trying to convince at that point mm-hmm. were there who were your other competitors who were trying to sell platforms to to these contractors Actually, and service providers? I think there were quite a few. Um but they weren't large and I I think most of them are probably not around. Uh, anymore mm. I think what they did not realise was that it's actually a very tough business mm. it's easy to get from 0 to 1 mm. but it's extremely difficult to get from 1 to 10 mm. and the reason is when you're extremely specialised it's okay I mean you have a few guys you have a few customers you know the, the liquidity works well mm. but as you're growing bigger and bigger and bigger you realise that it is necessary to create liquidity in hyper-local uh, environments mm. so for example I need liquidity in Monkera liquidity means uh, enough customers for enough service providers yeah. and that balance cannot be very off. Yeah. So if you get the balance off, either the customers are making a request and nobody wants to serve mm-hmm. them. Which frustrates them. Which frustrates so they'll them. they'll stop using the platform. Yeah. Or the service provider has paid to be on your platform but there are no jobs. Mm. So um, hyper-local liquidity is needed and in mm. order to get hyper-local liquidity, you need to be of a certain size. Yeah. Right. And so it took us quite some time to get from zero to... Uh, sorry, uh, not from, from zero to, to one, but from one to mm. I wouldn't say we are ten lah. I'll say mm. we are three lah now. <laughs> but how do you how do you address that problem? That the supply demand problem. It's a classic supply demand classic kind of issue, right? Classic. So how do you how do you address that? I think yeah, in the earlier days, you know, when we ramped up a little bit, we always look at the data to see where um would we get uh demand and where there is supply. Mm. So we quickly looked at the town centres and we figured out which town centres had the best um, mm. potential for mm. hyper-local liquidity. So, yeah, so by the fact that you're using the term hyper-local means mm. that recommend is actually quite 
geographic specific, lah, right? Um, when you go into a market, you make sure that okay, this is where we have enough demand and we have enough yes. suppliers. Yes. Right? Then we go and, and market that. Yes. As yes. opposed to hey, here's a launch in Malaysia. Everybody come join our platform. Yes. Everybody. Unfortunately, right? we we mm. can't do that, lah. Mm. Um, eh, life would have been a lot simpler if we could do that. But we realize um, there's a hyper local element, mm. um, especially for things like um, aircon, uh, cleaning, mm. um, where. Customers expect quite turn quick, quite quick uh, turnaround. For example, if they make a request at two p.m., sometimes they expect it by five p.m. Yeah. Yes. So we do need to have that that kind of thing, lah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So mm. over the years, we actually improved that. Um. Some cities like Jakarta, which is a lot more dense, mm. we can do it within like you request at two p.m. and three p.m. The guys at your door. Mm. Yeah. So we go back to that. So you know, then you met Anthony. Yes. Okay. Then we met Anthony. Okay. Uh, Anthony had similar vision. You know, brilliant guy. Um, really awesome. Um, so he he joined us. We were mm. very lucky to have him. And um, did he reach out to you, or how how did that work? I think we were introduced to each other. Okay. Yes. Was yes. he running a similar platform down in Jakarta at the time? I or? think he started something very very early stages. Um, mm. but then he decided that it was much better. Um, if he kind of like joined us lah, and okay. we we did okay. it together. Mm. Yes. So what? How was that? Um, experience. The experience. Uh-huh. Um, it's been nothing but good things so far. I think. So when um, was that? Sorry. That was in two o one five. Okay. Yeah. So f- still fairly early on. You yes. you know had a couple of years in in KL yes. and then straight away jumped in in Jakarta. Yes. Okay. Um. So that was uh two o one five and then, um then we grew uh, a bit and I think for, ever since we launched I think we have always been the biggest player. Um. They were mm. competitors I think. Um. But they in terms of skill they were nowhere close lah. Yeah, so, um, you know, Anthony uh, also built out a very good team in Indonesia. We mm. were very lucky for that. Mm. Um, and, you know, the team just has been flying like, ever since. So, when you yeah. talk about team, help me understand a little bit from a from a um, s- breakdown standpoint, right? right? So, developers, sales, yeah. how's, oh. how's that in terms of your So, your we structure um, mm. by uh, marketing and then operations, which makes sure that the liquidity works. Mm. Um, and then we have business development, which then looks for um, you know service providers and all of that. Yeah. Um, and then we have the tech team, mm. uh, the product. So the tech team and the product team. So which is the biggest team right now in, in terms of mm, split? I would say uh, probably still the uh, marketing operations and business development. Mm. Yeah, it's still very much um, on the ground kind of business where mm. you need to talk to people. People need to see you to make sure you're real, you know. Mm. Yeah, that sort of thing. Mm. But I think our tech team is growing because um, probably in the next phase, we shall you know talk about it later on. Um, it will be more uh, tech centric rather than operation centric. Mm. Yes. So how is so what is recommend like today, right? From a from a staff strength standpoint, from a business strength standpoint, how are you guys doing right now? Okay, so I'll share the things that I'm uh, able to share. Sure. So sure. um, so we are across three countries. So mm. we are Malaysia, Indonesia, and Thailand as well. Okay. So in Thailand, um, we cover um. Well, I guess two major business models. So the first one is um, home maintenance on demand, mm. where if you're looking for a cleaner, an aircon guy, plumber, electrician, we have standardized rates. Um, you call the guy, uh, I mean, you put in an order and the guy calls you back within minutes mm. and arranges for an appointment, mm. right? So yeah, so that's uh, home maintenance on demand. Yep. And then we have the lead marketplace, where if you're looking for a renovation contractor, uh, interior designer, a painter, a project that is bigger, mm. and you like to look for quotes, um, you can let us know what your requirements are. Okay. We will route it to the contractors or the, the service providers that mm. are best for you based on our algorithm. Mm. And then um, they will actually write a, a quote back to you. 
Okay. Yeah. So in a matter of sometimes minutes, sometimes hours, mm. you're able to get, oh, these four guys are interested in my job and it's okay. roughly going to be, you know, 4,000 mm. to 5,000 ringgit. Mm. Something like that. So your algorithm makes sure that this kind of matching between quotation requests and people interested to provide quotations is kind of done autonomously, like, right? There's yes. So we don't touch any of that. There's no yeah. some monkey at the back looking at the Excel. Oh, no. Up. Aha! Yeah, well, in the early days, I, I was I the monkey, but <laughs> now it's automated. Well done, you know. You yeah, okay. it was it was really awesome. You know, you see the request and you quickly like WhatsApp them and say, "Hey, got this job can do or not? Hey, yeah. got this job can do or not?" Then you go online and then you reply on the behalf. Yeah. So to the customer, it seems automated, but yeah. actually, it's just me on the back end. Yeah, well, yeah. you got to right. I mean, that's a hustle, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so three different countries now. So in yes. terms of um, I don't know, your own revenue size, which is the biggest one. Between the it's three. actually quite equal across the three countries. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Um, Indonesia by far has um, much more volume than Malaysia. Okay. But because the income levels there are lower. Mm. Um, so the, the charges are yes, less. The okay. Yes. Um, and when did you go to Thailand? Um, the year after that, 2016. Okay. Yes. So that's pretty aggressive. Um, 2013 yes. was Malaysia, right? No, 2014 Malaysia, Malaysia, 15 Indonesia, Indonesia and 16 Thailand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and within the last f- four or six years, oh sorry, four years, Thailand's caught up with the rest of the other countries. Pretty much, yeah. Like. Thailand's very strong on home improvement and renovations. Oh, is that right? Yes. So that's why the revenue has caught up very quickly. Ah. Yes. And it's exactly the same model between same model. the three countries. Yeah. Just copy pasted. Yep. Same platform. Same platform. Same okay. model. Yeah. And then over there, I guess, obviously, the, from a language standpoint, it's localized to, to Thailand. It's la. absolutely localized. So yeah. one of the main decisions that we made is not to. Um, uh, implement the same brand name across all these countries. Ah, okay. um, they're actually pretty nationalistic and pretty loyal. So okay. uh, we use local brand names, everything local feel, local so what language. Is it? So we've got recommend in Malaysia. Yes. And then uh, Sejasa in Indonesia mm. and Help D in Thailand. Ah, okay. Yeah. They all mean sort of the, the same thing in the local language. Right, right. Yep. What's, the, what's the Thai word for Help D? Uh, Help D is uh, services uh, and D is, I think, a local prefix or something like that. Go on, say yes. it. What it's is a, it? What I is that? You know? <laughs> it's uh, services. I, I just know it's services. Help, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, Jasa is as well services and I think Sir is a, a local prefix as well. Yeah. I could so be getting Jasa. this wrong, but hmm. Jasa. Yeah, right. Over here, over here, Jasa is more like, um, what is Jasa here? Uh, like you're testing me here. Like order. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jasa by you know, so it's yes, uh, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. but more skewed towards um, real service services. La, services. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and you, so going back to your hyper local thing, um, so in Malaysia in KL anyway, hmm. so where is do you find the best balance of that? Of that. So we're we're very market. strong in uh, PJ. Okay. So PJ, uh, Subang, uh, Monkiara, Bangsa, KLCC. I think these are all our strongholds, la. Ah, uh, If you re- okay. if you request for a service there, probably in like seconds you will get. You will um, get. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's sufficient on both sides. Yes. Um. And in Jakarta, that's even Jakarta. Bigger, right? Oh, it's even like something. Sometimes it's two seconds, mm. and someone calls you back. But within yeah. within Jakarta itself, do you know the specific region that? Oh know, yes. pretty strong. Eh? Um, I think, let me see. The last time I checked, we were pretty strong in North Jakarta mm. and Central Jakarta as well. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. Do you get a lot of, uh, do you service a lot of expats or locals or kind of both? Surprisingly more um, locals than expats. Mm. Earlier on, we thought that this service would be very good for expats. Mm. Um, but then we realized that 
most expats are renting their homes, so they mm. don't do any sort of home improvement. Mm. And um, their cleaning is usually done by a, like a local Filipino lady. Mm. Um, so we don't actually have that many. Yeah, so expats, it's yeah. normally for for yeah. So it'll be homeowners essentially, right? Homeowners yeah. and people who um, have a second property for investment. Mm. So if they are renting it out for Airbnb, uh, you know they love us because we take care of everything end to end. Ah, yes. that's true. So with with an Airbnb type relationship, how does the access work? You know, do you, do you pick up the keys from the owner and they just trust you to go and sort out the the, the services? Yeah. So uh, we do a whole range of stuff for Airbnb. The first one is that uh, if an owner is hoping to put their homes on uh, either short stay or long stay, mm-hmm. we have um, some design templates which you can consider, and our design templates are all um, uh, designed such or they're put together to prioritize a few things. Firstly, it must be between uh, a price that the owner can get ROI in months, not yeah, years, yeah. right? So it cannot be too expensive. Secondly, it has to be it has to look good because mm. it has to look good in pictures and yes, it has to be sure. attractive to yeah. renters, right? So it has yeah. to look good. And the third one is that it has to be tahan lasak. Mm. So, you know, especially for short stay, um, the tenants tend to be, uh, you know, they test the <laughs> strength of your la. furniture. <laughs> yes, and the wear and tear is higher. So we have to make sure that we have materials that um, doesn't wear well. So for example, mm. uh, we try to avoid wallpaper because wallpaper in our weather does not last very long. And mm. also after a while, it starts to peel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sometimes, uh, so sometimes if your tenant is a bit itchy fingers, ah. Uh, yeah. A bit, so that the guy will dig lah. So then what <laughs> happens is your maintenance cost is very yeah, high. Yeah. yeah. So we try to avoid some of that. Mm. Uh, we try to have furniture and all that. That will be okay, even if a, a very large individual uh, sat on it heavily. Right. For example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah. So. Uh, so so that's that's one side. Yeah. Um and then uh we have just launched uh, a cleaning service. Okay. For uh Airbnb as well. So if you have a unit that you like uh service, mm. you know we we have turnaround people that can go in and go out. Um, and, and then you can pay at the end of the month, for example. I'm surprised though. I would have thought cleaning services would have been one of your earlier services as well on the list. We didn't really um, uh, prioritize cleaning for the longest time. Mm. I think the, the, the reason for that was that uh, we realized that most of the money at that time la, was mostly in home improvement. So we wanted to um, conquer the area with the most revenue. You know, you mm. look at the profit pool, right? Yeah. Profit pool was the highest in the home improvement yeah. Yeah, space. Mm. Um, now that that's growing uh, along merrily, uh, we have looked at, you know, all the other sort of like more recurring services like cleaning and maybe to a certain degree aircon and mm. we, we think that those offer uh, pretty good uh, returns as mm. well. And smaller... So with a smaller ticket size for those, mm. you need to have more volume. La, more volume. Right? So I guess that's when you can, yes. now that you have your, yeah. your volume. The team in place, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How, so how, is, how are the volumes, can I ask? Very good. I mean, I can't you know, give actual numbers, mm. but um, I think on a monthly basis is right now about 10, 20% growth. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty decent. So, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When did you see the uptake? You know, every uh, so knowing from strategy, right, you always have your hockey stick business case, right? So when was that uptake to you know a sustainable 10-15% um, per month growth? Okay, so um, so here's a secret. Um, the hockey stick is a very rare thing to find mm. and usually only works when something has um, very little marginal cost. Mm. Right. So for example, you would see the hockey sticks in things like um, uh, SaaS businesses mm where um, it takes almost nothing to serve the next customer and yeah. the next customer, yeah. right? Um, so then you see this kind of uh, mm. hockey stick. 
um, when it comes to us, like for example, two-sided marketplaces mm. and um, even in e-commerce, you rarely get the soft thing. Um, mm. But wouldn't so? What is the challenge of scaling up? Um, in terms of why are the costs incremental as as you scale ah, up? Okay, why is the hockey stick less attainable mm. um, unless you have a pure software play, mm. right? Is that um, for example, for us, we have hyper. We need hyper local liquidity. Yeah. So when we open a new market, mm. we need to have both marketing focused on it, mm. and we need to have operations mm. team focused mm. on it, right? So in a way, every time we open a new market, the costs do go up. Not so much yeah. as um, a lot of you know other I'm sure businesses. There's efficiencies that you can gain. There is definitely but, efficiencies. But you still need to it have gets the, um, the economics get better and better and better with mm. scale. Mm. Um, but it's not like that. It's yeah. maybe you know like that lah. Gradual yes. la. It's gradual. Um, mm. Hockey stick businesses are not easy to find, and um, yeah, they, they, they also only use that when you want to raise funding. Tell right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, within five years, you'll be too Yeah, but you know, in the in the initial days when you first start off a business, you you honestly believe that it's yeah. very easy to achieve, right? Because that's where you see like, yeah. you know, Airbnb la, you know, um, Google, Facebook, and you know, like all businesses need to look like that, right? That's right. Um, and that's how you plan your business and yeah. you realise that as you go along that different businesses have different growth profiles and that's good. Because if it's easy to achieve that hockey stick, it's easy for someone to compete with you. That's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's you've got a bit of, yeah. So speaking on uh, investments then, hmm. So are you guys who's who's funding uh, recommend who, who what's the ownership structure ah, like? Okay, so um the ones that we've announced uh, mm. we have uh, Gobi Partners, mm. that's uh, uh, a Malaysian uh, kind of VC, and then we have other VCs, uh, angel investors, and and other guys as well. Um, okay. but a little bit more quiet lah those. Are you still looking at, at, at fundraising or are you guys? Oh, absolutely. Now? You know, always we are um very a very sustainable business. Um, mm. but we are still looking for funds. Okay. Definitely, yeah. Okay. We always be fundraising, right? Yeah, it never stops from day one. I guess. I yeah. guess. What's the so? What is the 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 next the outlook for the next couple of years then? Well, I don't what know. I We're looking for the uh, the last few months. I think we are um, getting some things um, very right. Right. Mm. So things are really trending in the right directions. You know, in terms of volumes, in terms of margins, um, revenue, gross profits. You know, mm. things like that. So um, trending in a, a very um, exciting way. Mm. Um, what's next for us is like uh, we want to be. Um, literally a platform where service providers, um, when they join on day one, they can literally start making money already, right? Mm. Our models are set up such that, you know, we are able to bring someone on board and even train them if necessary. Um, fresh grads, you know, people who have just graduated from SPM, from day one, if they are willing to work hard, um, mm. you know, vocational things like um, aircon, electricians, handyman, plumber, cleaning, if mm. they are willing to take those sort of jobs, they can earn, you know, north of two, three thousand a month. Wow. Yes. Wow. yes. And these are individuals, right? That you, you're um, individuals mm. or companies, same. We okay. want to, them to be able to just plug in and be able to and earn a living. And suddenly, here's all the, the demand that comes their way. Yes, yes. Ah, okay. So, you know, uh, you know, I look at articles, you know, newspaper articles saying how many thousands of graduates who cannot get jobs, you know. Mm. Um, people who after one and a half, two years of graduation still, mm. you know, are looking for jobs. And I really want to find a way to reach out to them and say, hey, look, you know, we have jobs here. Mm. From day one, you'll be earning this sort of um, salary, you know. Come come and reach out to mm. us. So, yeah. interesting, you've got that far, right? So, mm. was your experience in Nairobi... And even during your inset days, right? Of yeah. helping somebody directly, right? Right. Was that always at the back of your mind that what recommend could be is essentially providing employment? jobs to people? Yes. So mm. it's I think the the spirit of it, right, mm. uh, has always been there. Mm. And I think um you know, all of our uh, my co founders, all three of us, we have the same passion to be able to create a platform 
um, to enable people to grow their businesses, find jobs and really, you know, bring themselves to the next level. Mm. We never want to be uh, another, I mean, we don't want to be a cleaning company, an aircon company or any of these different types of companies. We mm. want to be a platform and that has mm. been very clear since day one. Mm. Yeah. I guess for places like Philippines, um, sorry, um, Indonesia and probably to a certain extent Thailand, mm. there's a lot more of that opportunity right, to yes. provide you know, yes. the people to, to work. Yes. Not that I mentioned Philippines. Yes. Are you guys going to go to Philippines? Well, um, at the moment, no plans. Mm. It's a bit jauh lah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've got really two kids, you know. Just, you know <laughs> I've got two kids lah, cannot <laughs> travel so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit far and mm. um, neither of us are uh, experts in the market. Mm. So, when we enter into the market, we need to be sure that one of us at least is the expert there. Mm. Yeah. Because okay. otherwise, we have okay. no advantage, no yeah. connections. It's quite tough. So from a from scaling up standpoint, where you do you think you want to take the business? So you've got three countries now. Is it about growing and deepening your your businesses within these three countries first? Before Absolutely. You look up? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So um, in the countries that we are, we are um, pro- if top two, if not the number one player in mm. each of these markets, right? Mm. Um, I'm trying to make sure that um, we are comparable. Uh, to even the grey market. So yeah. a lot of our competition in each of these countries is not another startup, but it's actually the grey market. So for example, if you are looking for a contractor, you might actually go to your cousin to get a recommendation yeah. or yeah. someone, right? So Word of mouth. Word of mouth, right? Yeah. So that is our real competition. Your and WhatsApp the, groups. Yes, exactly. Mm. WhatsApp groups. so hard to penetrate them, you know. Um, and... Um, so that's our real competition. Mm. So we need to make sure our value proposition is even better than con- you know, contacting somebody on WhatsApp, mm. waiting for the response, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So that's where we intend to go for now. Mm. Um, and then after that, you know, the world is just our oyster. Yeah, cool. Yep. So you just mentioned you had two kids. Yes. Right. So throughout this journey, so how was that being a mother and, and running your own business? Oh, you cannot see the dark eye rings and like, oh, you know, looking the, fabulous. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough, lah, but uh, yeah, it's tough because when we started off in 2014, I had no idea I was going to have a kid in 2015, right? Okay. Um, and yeah, and then another one in 2018, lah, which is last year, right? So, oh, congratulations. Yeah, so somehow, you know, life is really weird, you know, all the things always pile up, you know, nothing happens for like 11 months and then everything happens in the 12th month, time, right? Yeah. So I remember when um, I gave birth to my first kid, you know, um, at the time it was like kind of December and um, we just secured investment. So literally, um, the final presentation was something like five days after I gave birth. Oh man. Yeah, so I have this story and my team keeps, you know, laughing at me. So I literally, you know, after I gave birth, a few hours later, I was messaging them and say, you know, do you have the final deck, right? Is the final deck ready? And I think from day two or day three, I was having conference calls from the hospital. So it was basically me still connected to that machine and the laptop and like shouting at someone because, <laughs> you know, the connection also good, right? So literally shouting at my team, you know, and yeah. like, hello, hello, can you hear me, you know? And then, and then this nurse comes in and they say, eh, 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 kenapa ni? I say, eh, eh, kak, kak, tunggu, tunggu. <laughs> so I buat call ni dulu, I say, eh, tak pernah jumpa lah orang macam ni. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> but I guess that's testament to your drive, right? To no lah, it's, it's not recommended lah, you know. But you got to do what you got to do, I guess. You got to right? do lah, yeah. If you, had, if you could time it better, then you wouldn't have timed it around giving if, birth. Right? You know, if we could time life, right, um, things would be yeah. so much better. But it also taught me a lot of things. Um, mm. So at that time, I thought I was the only chakap chakap person. La. Everybody else was a do, doing that person, right? So yeah. I was really worried to have them present to the IC. And turned out, you know, it went brilliantly. Mm. Yeah. So I needn't worry. And, you know, sometimes we think too much of it lies on our shoulders. Yeah, like, oh, it's up to, to me, right? Yeah. It's because I'm, I'm doing all this. But... I think, you know, God has a way to also, you know, control outcomes, even mm. though I'm out of the picture. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that you know uh, taught me a, a lesson. That's cool. Yes. That's good. Yes. Um, I was gonna ask you something else now that I've kind of slipped my mind. Um, yeah. From a well, the name of the program is Tech This Way. Right. Right. So let's let's talk about technology a little bit in terms of how technology has actually drive or driven your your business to date. Right. Sure. So you mentioned a little bit about algorithms. Yes. Um, so yes. share with me a little bit more about how, how did that... How does it work? How does it work? Um, so we have an algorithm in places with very high density mm. that actually um, uh, chooses which service providers we want to allocate the jobs to. Mm. So uh, some of the things that go into it is, for example, how well they perform, um, how quickly they pick up jobs, you know, and how right we think that this service provider will match to the customer. Mm. So we have got, um, you know, technology in place to be able to do this. Mm. Um, and also to distribute the jobs well mm. so that um, not all the good jobs go to one person, yep. but rather it's more like, you know, spreading butter on the bread. Mm. Everybody gets... Giving um, the opportunities to everybody. Yes. Yeah. So how was yes. that built out? Was it uh, an internal tech? Did you guys... Oh yeah, it's all internal. In? Yeah, okay. We have a very strong team base out of uh, Indonesia. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. So ah. we have, uh, you know, front end, back end, you know, uh, analytics, the whole, mm. the whole jazz. Mm. Uh, and they look at all this data and they try and figure out how to allocate the jobs better. Mm. So yes. why was that in terms of um, finding the skills? Was it easier down there um, as opposed to in, in Malaysia or in, in Thailand? Because, you know, obviously you started in Malaysia and it suddenly yeah. sounds like, you know, everything developed there. down in... I think yeah. um, the skills seem to be a little bit more affordable down there. Okay. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. So, you know, after a while, you know, we had tech teams in two countries and after a while we decided let's just consolidate in one country. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it seems to be working well so far. Mm. Yeah. Um, what about the other skills in terms of, you know, your marketing, you said, was that... Oh, that's easy? local. Yeah. Okay. Marketing, Was it, was uh, it difficult to get? Was there any challenges in getting those kind of skills? Um, it requires some training. For example, performance marketing and things like that. It mm. requires us to have people who are skilled. Um, but we already have people who are very strong at it in the company already. Mm. So as new guys come in, you know, we train them up and then they take on a bigger and bigger like budget or portfolio and then, you know... Mm. Yeah, they're, they're able to be running on their own. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alex is also uh, quite good at um, performance uh, marketing. Not just, sorry, not just, not really performance marketing, but he looks at marketing. What's performance marketing? Is, marketing? So, performance marketing is really um, uh, Facebook, uh, Google ads, you know, Instagram ads, and very analytically making a decision on where to allocate your spend. Mm. So, traditional marketing, I think, I'm not, I'm not expert on marketing at all, but it looks like, on uh, things like branding, span, you know, where should you buy media, for example, and then it looks like uh, it looks at your messaging and you know things things like that. Mm. So that's more like traditional uh, marketing. marketing yeah. Performance marketing is all about you know you have a certain span, you have all these um, tech channels, mm. um, you know, to actually push your message out there. Mm. Which one of it is actually delivering the most uh, bang for a buck? Mm. Right, is what performance marketing is all about. Right. Yes. Which has always been the holy grail of what marketing tries to do, right? What was that cliche? Uh, I spend a hundred bucks in marketing. The problem is I don't know which half... Yes. Which uh, one is, is delivering... Is delivering yeah. the returns, right? But I guess with the technology platform now, that's more achievable. Right? Yes. But, you know, I don't think it's really holy grail. I think really traditional marketing and performance marketing needs to go hand in hand. Mm. So, for example, when somebody finds our brand, um, just because he clicked on my ad for the first time does not mean that he heard from of my brand for the there. first time, mm. right? So the reason that he's clicking could be because my copy is so chunky, right? Mm. And it's been A-B tested to death, yeah. right? But it could be because he heard 
about the brand from his cousin before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's an element of both traditional mm. and performance mm. uh, that um it comes hand in hand and actually cannot be separated. Mm. A lot of people think it can be separated, but it can't. So for example, um, yeah, so that that's that's one example. Mm. And then uh, when I push an ad to a person on Facebook or they see it on Google or something like that, um, then maybe three months later they come and make a request. Mm. I cannot track that because mm. they don't they don't click that link at that yeah, moment, at moment, right? Yeah. There's so no they need come, yet, right? There's yeah. no need yet. So they mm. come back three months later. So to me, it seems like a random customer, but probably not. Mm. Probably because he's seen my brand three or five yeah, times. Yeah. It's kind of registered someone. at the back of the mind there somewhere, right? Yes. That's so a in a way, bomb. right, yeah. traditional drives to performance, performance mm. drives to traditional. Ah, it's very hard to yeah, separate the both. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, we're coming to almost the hour. Bruh. Surprisingly. It's very quick. A couple of, I guess... One last question for me really is, okay, so it's been six years now, oh, right? Five plus. Lah, yeah. Five plus going I, to I like six. to make the number lower. Just like my age, I like to make the number be lower. <laughs> yeah. So, not very long. This is going to be the, the longest you've been in one place. Oh, yeah. It's going to be at Accenture right? soon, yeah? It's going to be at Accenture yeah, 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 for yeah. six years. Oh, gosh, yeah. Right? So, Bain, okay, lah, with the Vita split. Uh-uh. Right? And yeah. now it's six years. So... Things are still okay, I guess. Sounds like, you know, you're going to stick to this. Um, but I think and, so. And drive, yeah. yeah, I think if given the opportunity, you know, we think that the market is huge, the potential is huge and, you know, we're getting something very right, right? Mm. So I, I really like that, yeah. Mm. So hopefully lah, we are okay. able to. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I remember now what I wanted yes. to ask. Yes, yes. The, the two things. The branding, recommend. I think offline we spoke about how you've changed that yep. and how important it was to to, to ha- do that change. Yep. Number two was in terms of the platforms that you reach out to your customers. Right. right? Um, okay, let's talk about the first one first. Recommend okay. the brand change. Right. Okay, so when we started... Um, uh, we wanted to be very smart and chungy and like, you know. All uh, cool Silicon Valley. La. Very uh. cool Silicon Valley. So we wanted some um, acronyms. La. Uh. So we have RECOMN. So it's R-E-C-O-M-N.com. Mm. And you know what? The feedback was great. I mean, mm. I showed to all my um, Bangsa crowd friends and they said, this is great. Well, it's cool, so uh. smart. It's so cool, right? Uh, we get it. And then R-E-C-O-M-N. I realized. R-E-C-O-M-N. Right? So it's RECOMN. Mm. Recommend. Recommend, right? yeah. So we thought, oh, quite chungy, la, right? Uh, yay, great name. And then we realized that nobody could pronounce it. No one. And that includes yeah. people that has been working with us for one year. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody came to me and said like, Hello? Recoma? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? So, you know, um, so it was, it was terrible. Yeah. And, and one thing we learned also that if you cannot pronounce something, you cannot remember something. Mm. So mm. people will keep coming to us and say, it's like, recall, right? Or recom, right? Or recommended, right? Or something of the sort, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, three years down, we made the painful, painful decision to rebrand. And so today it's called recommend.my. There you go. <laughs> Good yep. stuff. Yep. And in terms of platform? Um, so is it just an app do you go to websites too to go recommend how does that work now okay so we have a very good website uh, that works very well on desktop and mobile as mm. well to make a request um, we are we have an app out there but uh, we are actually relaunching our app with a lot more chunky features oh okay yeah so look out for that um, there will so be from the beginning though um, was it an app first then web and then uh, was web it web first then app oh it's web first yes okay yes yes so why was that Was why didn't you follow that you know um, why no, not app first exactly right so that was the mobile first was the theme right ah, um, okay. when you go into this kind of businesses right yes so a lot of people ask us why um, not app first because mm. they say you know that's the future right mm. well I think the truth is that um, apps are very expensive to develop and expensive to get a user to actually download it as well mm. right um, mm. and there's no way for you to track 
users. Hmm. The way that uh, Google and Facebook can easily trap users. Right. Not to say trap, la, but attract them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So if you're trying to um, target somebody who's looking for a plumbing service, he's not going to go to the app store and hmm. type plumber. and, and yeah. it, That's not the established route. Yeah. They will go to Google. Hmm. right? So we needed a sizable um, database first, um, comfortable with the web technology before we actually implement our app. Ah. Yeah, and web is a lot faster to develop, uh, pivot, uh, change, amend, right? Mm. Compared to the app. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so we only wanted to do the app when our business model is stable. Okay. Right, and it's taken quite a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I when did it? Time, when did you launch your app? We launched our app for the first time probably two o one seven. Okay, so that's um, about a good three years after bad, your website. Mm. Yeah, but, but I assume your website was was. Uh, it was always light years yeah. ahead of our app. But it's also, yeah. but it's also. Um, Mobile friendly, la, yes, that you can use very much, very much. In fact, the experience browser. is probably almost the same. So mm. our website is developed mobile first. Mm. Yeah. So okay. if you access it using your um, phone, everything works perfectly. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of the split of the orders, right, between mm. your app since you launched it and mm. the website, I'm assuming then it's still majority from the website. Mm. Uh yes, majority website, but mm. a lot of it on the mobile phone. Okay. Yes. Ah, okay. So it's yes. mobile usage, but connecting yes. to your website. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes. But you know, that's mm. uh, we're we're gonna change that. So you know, look out for. Updates. When is that? When when is that gonna happen? Soon lah, soon. Okay. <laughs> in terms of the the platform itself, oh, because there's localized country uh, languages, so yes. it's different. It's in, different in Sajasa. Yeah. And, and help D. Help D. Yes. Okay. And the app is that gonna be the same? Same. Uh, uh, um, same. I mean, launched in the three countries, but all localized languages. Yes. All localized languages. Soon. Yeah. Okay. Soon, soon. It's coming. Excellent, man. Cool. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you so it's much. Nice it's to see been you again. an honor. Yeah. Um, good to catch up. And then, yeah, we'll see you again and good luck with your new launch. Oh, thank you. Thank and, you very you know, much. Go to Philippines. <laughs> we'll <Okay>. see. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Bye. <laughs>